Welcome to Coffee and an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena, and today I'm here with Dr. Haley Arnold, who is going to talk to us about nutrition for children. Haley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm really excited because this is um, a, a very important topic. And as I'm transitioning through my 40s and wondering about my childhood eating habits, I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. And then a lot of us have children or care for for children. And, and I just thought this would be a great topic for us to learn some great tools to use throughout the rest of the year. So um, Haley, why don't you tell us first a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do before we jump into this hot topic of nutrition for children? Sure. So I am a chiropractor by trade. That's where the doctor title comes from. Um, but all of my postdoctorate education has been in nutrition, specifically functional medicine. Um, my, my areas that I've really concentrated on my niche, if you will, are kiddos on the spectrum. So I take care of kids with what I call the alphabet soup. So ADHD, ASD, SPD, all these little labels we like to give our kiddos these days. I really focus on nutrition for brain health, for immunity, for gut health, and, um, also focus on their genetics. So, my, my favorite, absolute favorite thing to do is to look at genetics and how to optimize your genetic potential through nutrition for kiddos and parents, but mostly kids. <laughs> Very interesting genetics and nutrition. And, um, you know, you mentioned the alphabet soup of different labels or diagnoses we give and, and looking at that through the lens of nutrition. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in terms of nutrition in children in these areas? Sure. So for example, um, if I do a genetic test, which I own a genetic lab, so we're doing genetics on every kid we talk to. If I run their genetic panel and I see that they have the propensity for, let's say, of vitamin B12 deficiency, and they have the genetic potential for really wonky neurotransmitters. So we know the brain chemistry is going to be a little off. We can really pinpoint, okay, we know this gene works this way. We know you have the propensity for deficiency over here. What if we made essentially a, a special nutritional supplement for them? Or what if we tweaked their diet a certain way? Maybe they're gluten intolerant or dairy intolerant. What if we do these things and help the kid optimize their nutrition potential? What could change? And we have seen everything from just adding vitamin A for a kid on the spectrum, help him talk, go from nonverbal to verbal. We've seen removing cheese or fermented foods from a kid, reduce their anxiety. You know, we literally can honor the genetic potential with these nutritional changes and see these kids blossom. If that makes sense. You just blew me away because <laughs> so you can look at the genetics, determine some, some issues, some lack, something that doesn't work well, make a nutritional adjustment to be able to then see that change in the child because the body's responding better to something. Exactly. Exactly. So, and um, why are more people doing this? Hey, <laughs> that's why I'm here. I'm trying to tell people how to do this. Um, I think everyone needs to do this. So yeah, that, that is my absolute 
uh, mission is to help people understand their blueprints and optimize their health. I like how you framed it. Um, understand your blueprint and optimize your health. Does this work for adults, by the way? We're going to stay on the topic of children, but yeah. I'm curious. Yes. The only issue with adults is they've usually got, you know, three or four or five decades worth of things they've done to themselves. Then, then you know, adults don't always like to change their habits. <laughs> so it's always, it's a faster and more obvious connection with kids, mm. but definitely you- works but it works for, yeah, because, um, with, and also with children, you're starting at a younger age. So you're really setting them up for, for a healthier life overall. Absolutely. Yeah. That's our whole goal. Habits, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So t- tell me more. I, I just cut you off also. I'm sorry. It's just that you, oh, you're not <laughs> so, I mean, that's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you were, we're going to do this quite a few times. I'm sorry, Haley. No, I was going to say you got me excited talking about how you help people understand their blueprints and um, and then, you know, decide what to do from there, how to make changes. Let me turn it back to you. Take it over. Tell us more. So honestly, like everything that I'm, I am 40 years old, just turned 40. <laughs> um, and for the past, oh gosh, 19 years as, as an adult, since I was 21 math. Yeah. 21. Um, I have been given every diagnosis under the sun from different doctors, everything from rheumatoid arthritis to lupus, to MS, to celiac disease, to all sorts of autoimmune issues. And one of the things that really led us to practice the way we do is that a lot of my issues stemmed from things that I dealt with as a child. So I had massive food allergies. I had all, you know, vitamin D deficiencies. I had all these issues as a kid. And if I had, if my parents had known what I know now, I always wonder how much different my health would be as a 40 year old. So the whole reason we practice the way we do is to not only empower the parents to make these changes, but to help the kids understand how their bodies truly work, what really good nutrition is and how much nutrition affects your overall health, especially right now living in the time of COVID and, you know, we're all very aware of our immune systems and what might be going on. Imagine how much healthier as a a world we would be if we understood, you know, maybe you need more vitamin D in your life or, Maybe if you didn't eat these processed foods with chemicals and allergens in it, like how healthy could we be? So we're really here to educate and empower kids as well as their parents, obviously, to make the most well-rounded, appropriate nutritional decisions so they grow up to be happy, healthy humans. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah, makes perfect. Um, Yeah. So we do that by talking about genetics, by talking about... Um, biochemistry in a really easy to understand way. Like I'm constantly writing blogs and doing podcasts on different biochemical things that people are like, Oh, I didn't know that about the body. It's like, yeah, this is, this is how things work. Um, And really just trying to get a lot of education out there. So parents can feel good about making healthier decisions for the kids and kids can just naturally grow up eating healthy foods and and doing the right things. So that's my goal. Yeah, very empowering. And it's it's empowering our children through the nutrition, empowering parents to make the best nutritional decisions for their children. 
this question is going to be a little tough because I know that a lot depends on the individual, right? The genetic testing, the background, but what are some good tips or advice for us uh, in terms of nutrition for children that you could share? Oh, that's it. I mean, there's a lot, but there, there are some kind of universal things I would say. Um, the actually every, based on genes, every person is sensitive to pesticides. So eating a more organic diet is going to be critical. The way it changes, however, depending on your genetics, some people have more cardiovascular inflammatory responses to pesticides. So these are usually my adults that end up with varicose veins and spider veins and you know, cardiovascular issues, heart issues. And then kids tend to have more neurological concerns. So these are my autism kids, my spectrum kiddos, um, my sensory processing kiddos, ADHD. They're showing these more neurological neurosensory issues with pesticides. So they, the number one thing parents can do is eat as organic as possible. And we like to um, point them towards the EWG more, uh, website. I think it's ewg.org where they have a list of the dirty dozen and the clean 15. It changes yearly, but a general rule is produce, so vegetables and fruit that have a thin skin, like apples, strawberries, berries of all kinds, eat organic. Things that have a thick skin, like avocados or bananas, don't worry about it. Don't pay extra for an organic avocado. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So uh, just that's a really easy thing to naturally cut down a, a ton of junk in your diet is to eat organic as possible. Um, beyond that, most people don't like me to tell them, but probably upwards of 60% of the population are gluten sensitive. So yeah, it's, it's a large number. So it's not that they have celiac disease. That's a low percentage of people. But there are a variety of genes that make people sensitive to gluten, even though they're not, uh, they don't have celiac disease. So it's non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So if your kiddo is dealing with anxiety or depression or eczema or, um, you know, constipation, GI issues, if they have any kind of symptom, the first thing to do is go gluten-free. So most parents don't like to hear that though. <laughs> I'm thinking um, about a lot myself and other people and it, it makes sense um yeah and yeah. Make yeah and then the third and final like simple thing to do is just drink tons of water kids don't need juice they don't actually need milk they need lots of water so those are my no no pesticides gluten-free when possible and just stick to water as the beverage, those are the easiest nutritional things to do right now, regardless of individuality. Does it matter what kind of water? For example, some people really promote alkaline water. I drink regular water. I'm super happy with faucet water. <laughs> yeah, regular water is fine. I'm not a huge fan of the chemicals that are in tap water. So I do like to run it through a filter. Um, I, I personally use a Berkey filter. I'm not affiliated with them, but I, I use a Berkey filter in our house. Alkaline water is not necessary um, because your stomach pH deals with everything it needs to do. We don't necessarily need to put a more alkalized uh, water into it. It's designed to be neutral um, by, you know, 
chemistry. So we don't need to make it basic. Um, if you know, bottled waters are problematic because of the plastics that they're in. Mm-hmm. So it's, I would say stick to your faucet water, but run it through a filter to get as many chemicals and medications and all sorts of stuff out of it as possible. But that is usually fine. Yeah. Okay. You just scared me. You said chemicals and medications. <laughs> oh yeah. So if you look at a lot of the, um, the research on water filtration, obviously in most places, at least here in the United States, water is designed to be healthy. Obviously we know Flint, Michigan and certain cities are not, um, but they, they still put, you know, chlorine and fluoride and a lot of different chemicals in it, but there's actually a lot of medications that run through our water supply that most people don't think of. So, I mean, it's kind of a gross topic to discuss, but if you're excreting, if you take a medication personally and you go to the restroom, you're excreting things into the toilet. (laughs) Kind of gross, but the whole point is for our water filtration systems to work ideally. I just like giving it that extra filtration to feel a bit more comfortable. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. So kind of disgusted by that conversation <laughs> don't worry don't worry we've had all kinds of interesting conversations including <laughs> like kind of conversations <laughs> but um so so those three tips are are very doable which is go organic when appropriate gluten-free if appropriate if you're seeing anything that maybe by trying gluten-free might be alleviated and you won't know until you try and then water lots of water yeah, lots of water and yeah. I think most of these are pretty doable or accessible. I worry about things like going organic um, when you have limited financial resources. Absolutely. Organic is so expensive compared yeah. to regular. So we have to get creative on where to find some of our organic products or grow yeah. some ourselves if we can, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's where I get really specific with the clean 15, dirty dozen lists. Because you're right, like I'm not gonna spend four dollars for an, an organic avocado. Just not gonna do it. Um, but you don't have to either. So it's really those specific foods that are high in pesticides that we want to watch out for and and spend it when we can. Now, obviously, if we can't, um, our bodies are designed to to filter those things out. So our bodies are smarter than we are. So Very but it's an easy if you can do it, it's definitely a good place to start. Okay. This is very helpful. Um, any, I'm curious, any interesting examples of certain diseases or situations or medical conditions you've seen, and then some nutrition-based choices that you've made for clients that really um, alleviated those symptoms? Do you have any specific examples you could share without sharing, obviously, anything about clients? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Um, so like I said, the main people I, I do take care of are spectrum kids. So when I say spectrum, we're talking the autism spectrum. Um, but that can be everything from basic ADHD, hyperactivity, focus symptoms to, you know, full on nonverbal, having significant health related issues as well. There's, it's a, a very big spectrum for a reason. Um, the most interesting things that I think they're interesting. Um, when a child comes to me, not talking, they're nonverbal. Let's say they're, um, I have one particular patient I can think of. She came to us starting at two. She may have had five words, you know, mama, daddy, 
that kind of stuff. Um, she is now four and I can't get her to shut up. Like she just talks all the time. <laughs> um, and she was a combination of, she does have, does have an autism diagnosis, but she also has pandas. So it's the uh, pediatric autoimmune issue where uh, basically a strep infection caused major brain inflammation and genetics aside, we specifically got down to um, supporting the immune system to really be able to recognize that strep infection and overcome it. And so that naturally reduced the inflammation in her brain. And as soon as we really calmed, calmed the fire, so to speak in her body, she started talking and developing normally. So her only issue now is she's a little shy and she's not quite potty trained. And those are like the two things she's still mildly delayed in is, is it'll take her about an hour to warm up to you, but that's not abnormal for a four-year-old either. Mm -hmm. Um, so her parents are super happy there. Uh, other interesting things. I see a lot of pandas kids, actually pandas and pans, which is just getting their immune systems to recognize the world around them and really function optimally deals with giving them the right vitamins and minerals. We got to um, calm down their, the inflammation and make their guts work better. Like that, that's really all the kind of stuff I'm doing all day long. Um, I'm just going to yeah. jump in and, and let our listeners know that there is uh, another episode with Sarah German on Panda specifically. Oh. And she also writes books for kids we're struggling with different things in terms of, you know, the school system fitting in emotions, yeah. uh, you know, anxiety, all that stuff because of the work she does with pandas, but just an FYI, Jeremy oh. has pan, uh, uh, an episode on pandas, but um, this is the second time that I hear someone talk extensively about pandas. So it seems that it's, um, and pandas. I think so it's from- the new, like it's, we're seeing it more and more and more. So mm-hmm. the, the big things I see with kids are we're not necessarily starting them off with ideal nutrition. Like we're still not to jump on a soapbox, but Cheerios probably shouldn't be your kid's first food. You know, grain rice cereal probably shouldn't be your kid's first food. We're immediately going from formula to processed grains and expecting our kids to have properly functioning immune systems. And it just doesn't work like that. So if we were to continue that trend, which has been really happening since the 1980s, it seems, of just giving our kids processed foods, well, now we're bombarding them with all of these super bugs, if you will, um, because they are bacteria and viruses and things that have grown to mutate and adapt to our current environment. We are exposing our children to those things, still expecting their immune systems to fight them off. And then we get surprised when they don't. And it's because we're not feeding them real food. So I think you're going to hear more and more about pandas and pans and, and that kind of situation. The, the more we go on not feeding children real things. So that's my tiny soapbox there. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? One because so I feel like there this is information I, I feel like I need to get on a soapbox if I were the subject matter expert but I'm not it's not my area but I think that there's so many of us who don't have this information so many places and communities where we can go and share some of this basic information that can empower parents to empower their children to have healthier lives through nutrition absolutely I think you know if and one of one of my goals in life is to really 
be able to talk to parents and say, okay, hey, instead of choosing Cheerios or rice cereal or whatever it is as your first food, let's just feed them fruit or vegetables or pureed meats. Like let's put the real food in their mouths before we just start trying to give them finger things. Right. Um, and I think that is a, the, the USDA with their food pyramid and, and all kinds of stuff are trying to change it once they get away from the pyramid idea. But in reality, our agricultural system is subsidized to feed people more grains, to feed people more dairy instead of real fresh fruits and vegetables and animal protein, which is where we really need to start. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? That's a whole other podcast, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of where it starts. So yeah. you mentioned animal protein. It's the first time we've mentioned in this interview. So tell me a little bit more about that and children's nutrition, empowering children through nutrition and, and the relationship with animal protein. So it is, well, let me back that up. It's very possible to be vegan or to not choose to do animal protein. However, um, when we're talking about things like vitamin A, fish, uh, omega-3s, um, the healthy fats, the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin K, those are much better absorbed for kids with animal protein so or animal fat. So we often say eggs and um, beef liver, although no one really likes to eat beef liver. Um, but those, those are the, and fish, those are the foods that are easier to assimilate these nutrients in. Um, so the sooner we start kids on those, if you choose to do so, it makes it much easier to get those vitamins. Now, if you are a vegan or vegetarian, there are obviously places we can do that. But with little kids, we have to worry about nuts and seeds and more allergy producing foods in that regard. So it becomes a little bit trickier. Um, and that's where supplements might come into play, but, uh, I'm, I'm a proponent of good, clean, humanely raised animal protein for children. And, and, uh, it sounds like it's a very doable diet. If you're a pescatarian, um, mm-hmm. once you're vegan vegetarian, that's where it gets tricky. You yeah. also mentioned allergy producing foods. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we're not necessarily allergic to nuts when we're so- first reduced to them? How does that work? Well, okay. So, but what I mean by that is the top nine allergens are often nuts, seeds, uh, peanuts, which are legumes, dairy, gluten, wheat, um, soy, like the things that are very readily available in our diet Mm. are often the things that cause the most food allergies too. So when kids with kids, we have to be sensitive to the fact that they may have these allergies So we don't automatically just say, okay, well, if you're not going to give your kid fish, just give them flaxseed or chia seed or peanuts because those are high in omega-3. Like, well, what if they're allergic to those? So it it just, these kind of things are the things I think about all the time (laughs) of what are the more allergy oriented foods versus not, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, and that's also really good information to have because if you don't know what's causing a situation there's an allergy and you can just start off by eliminating things on this list mm-hmm. of the top allergy producing foods that'll help parents try to figure it out if you don't have access to allergy tests or that kind of thing yeah and those lists are very readily available it's um you know it's common medical lists of top top nine allergies at this point so mm-hmm. 
Very cool. And for our listeners, you'll see these links in the resources section of the episode description. So you'll have the ewg.org link. I'll add one on those um, top allergy uh, food lists. I'll add a link to that. Um, as well as a link to your website, um, Haley, for our folks. So you'll have all these resources on there. You can click on the resource or depending on your platform for your podcast, copy and paste that resource into um, a a web browser and open it from there, but they'll be there for you. Um, This has been very interesting. You gave us tools to start this healthy living process with our children. And so I'm very grateful for that. Some very simple strategies to start, some very simple um, tips if we're seeing anything strange in terms of um, our child's reaction to certain foods and things like that. Um, And and this, this connection with nutrition and the spectrum was another one that I wasn't expecting to have. And it's very interesting seeing that connection between nutrition and the spectrum. Um, it, here's a good question. So if I, what, what should I do if I think that my child might be on the spectrum or if I know my child is on the spectrum and I want to explore nutrition as, as one of the options to helping improve my child's life, what, what can I do next? So I always tell parents to start with genetic testing and we have a specific wellness genetic test at Nutritots. Um, that covers all the bases. So with the reason I love genetic testing, it's not ancestry. It's not like, it's not disease oriented genetic testing. It's truly nutrition-based genetics where if you understand their blueprint, you understand how to feed them, what vitamins they may need extra support in, how their brains work based on their genes. You really get a big picture on what could potentially go wrong and how to help it with diet and lifestyle. So I always encourage parents to start there because it's probably the easiest, most, uh, most individualized tool you could do for your kid. Um, and it literally, it goes all the way from how they metabolize carbs and fats to what vitamins they might have a deficiency in. It's that specific. So that's a good place to start. Um, Beyond that, it's very easy to just start making simple choices with food. Eat real food is my number one rule. So if it grew in the ground or was raised in the, on the land, it's probably real food. So fruits, veggies, some whole grains like brown rice or quinoa, um, and then really good quality meat protein if you do that, or vegan options like, I don't know, lots of can't even think of any off the top of my head, actually. <laughs> um, things like mushrooms and um, sometimes fermented organic soy, like tempeh and tofu are op- good options there. So eating real food is the first place to start. And then just drinking water. So getting getting rid of processed stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't come in a can. If it comes no. in a can that doesn't expire for two or three years, I'm, I'm pointing this way because... My kitchen, if, if you know, my kitchen's to the side, uh, to my left. But um, if it comes in a can and it doesn't expire in a few years, that's not real food. Yep. So that's good advice. And I know for some of us, it's a struggle to drink enough water and to get our kids to do that. Start thinking about. 
Not yeah, <laughs> for me, especially when I'm up north and it's cold, I'm rarely thinking about water. I just want I mean, I prefer coffee, but that doesn't count. Hard. <laughs> if it did, I would be just fine. Right? <laughs> but definitely look for options, try different habits, try um, bottles, but be careful with the plastic. Uh, is another thing I always say, know what you're, what you're using to drink out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you need, if you're the kind of person that needs to carry a bottle around, get like the stainless steel bottles and just fill it up with tap water. So yes, those are very good. And you can throw them in your purse or your book bag. Um, they even have cute little kid versions now. So, well, that's good. I need to get that for my nieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we've had some good conversation on nutrition, some good tips for everyone. Um, Haley, as we wrap up our session today, do you have any final words of advice or other tips or strategies that you might want to share so that we can keep empowering our children to live their best lives through nutrition? So my biggest uh, statement is remember that what you feed your kids now will manifest as health later on. So if you work hard to make these habits now for them, they're going to grow up as adults that make good habits themselves. So they'll make good choices as long as you teach them how to make them. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. And for those of us who are a little older, (laughs) living in my forties, changing these habits, it's just so hard. So if we can bring those habits to our children at at such a young age, I think we really will help them make the difference in their nutritional lives. And if you're making them for your kids right now, you'll find that you make them for yourselves too. So focus on your kids will naturally, you know, change it to where you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. um, Haley, thank you for being here today for coffee and an interview. This was very informative for anyone interested in the genetics testing for this nutritional aspect of health And um, for children, you'll definitely have the links for all of that in the resources section in the episode description for this episode. So you'll be able to click on that link or just copy and paste into your browser. And if you want to learn more, definitely check out Haley's website, NutriTots. It's a great resource and we'll list other resources there for you as well if you want to follow NutriTots or um, be able to contact Haley or anyone else on her team. Haley, uh, again, thank you so much for this information because um, yeah, I've never spoken about so many of these topics from the perspective of nutrition, the spectrum, the allergies, I mean, pandas. I mean, there's just so much that you you really um, provided us with tools. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. We could talk for hours, but yeah, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have to do a part two to this episode and maybe start focusing on adults. We'll talk about that one day. <laughs> we can do that too. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely do that. And thank you everyone for listening to this great episode on empowering our children through nutrition. Haley, thank you once again for being on the show. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of coffee and an interview.